An epic battle has been brewing on your iPhone. On one side is Apple. We are deploying powerful new requirements to advance user privacy throughout the App Store ecosystem. And on the other side is Facebook. It is going to kill small businesses. Please speak up and let Apple know that this update is not okay. That change is a new feature in Apple's latest iOS. And it's what we're going to talk about today on Brainstorm, the podcast about how tech is reshaping our world. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Brainstorm. I'm Michal Avram. And I'm Brian O'Keefe. Okay, Brian, you have an iPhone, right? I do have an iPhone. Have you downloaded the latest and greatest iOS version yet, 14.5? I have not. I've been saving it like a little present for myself. How about we unbox it right now with all of our listeners? That would be very exciting for everybody. All right, I'm going to open things up here. So I go to walk me through this here, Mihal. All right, okay. You go to settings. Yep. Then you go to general. Yep. Software update. Got it. I have never before read anything about the software updates. And there's a lot of there's a lot of detail here. There's new face emojis. There's a woman with a beard emoji. Ooh, useful. <laughs> Very cool. Siri now includes more diverse voice options. Yes, I actually already have Siri going with an Irish male voice. What does that sound like? Siri, can you say something? Laura Mipsum Dolas at Amit, consectator Adi Pisiki Elit, said Doe Temper Incident. He also speaks Latin. <laughs> He's amazing. So, okay, on a more serious note, these are all great little features and functionalities, but the one that we're really going to talk about is related to privacy, right, Brian? That's right. Under privacy, there's just one bullet point, and it says app tracking transparency lets you control which apps are allowed to track your activity across other companies' apps and websites for ads or sharing with data brokers. Just that, this could signal a pretty big paradigm shift for digital privacy and for digital advertising going forward. This is Apple's new app tracking transparency, or ATT as it's known. It is very similar to what users are already used to. So when you download an app, you'll get a lot of permissions requests. Can this app access my camera? Can it access my contacts? Can it access my location? Now there's one other kind of permissions request. Can this app track me and my activity across other apps? That is what app tracking transparency is. So users will have the choice then to say yes or no. That's Jenny Gebhardt. She's a privacy researcher with the Electronic Frontier Foundation, which advocates for consumer rights in the digital world. And just to be very clear, what we're talking about here with ATT, it's just about third-party tracking. So these are apps that are not made by Apple. They're made by all sorts of other developers, and they're available on Apple's App Store. And they track your activity and share it with other apps or websites so, Brian, explain why apps would want to do this. Why would apps track us to other apps in the first place? I can explain that in one word, ads. So you've got entire companies that have built their business on tracking you, finding out about you, and showing you ads. I mean, think about this. Like, you watched Queen's Gambit during quarantine, right? And you became enamored with chess, and you're like, gosh, I should really learn how to play chess better. So you download a free chess app, right? Couple hours later, you know, you're tired of playing chess and getting whipped by the AI. 
And you go over to Facebook and you're just going to see updates from your friends and you start to see ads for chessboards popping up in your Facebook feed. That's just one little example. But when you add that up millions and millions of times, the numbers really start to get huge. Data collection is a $227 billion a year industry. Ads are a big part of that. But Jenny Gebhardt from the EFF says that there's actually a lot more to it as well. Ads are just the visible tip of the iceberg of this sprawling data sharing network under the water. So definitely data can be monetized by showing you ads. Data can also be monetized by sharing it with this kind of vast network of data brokers you've never heard of. Um, can be monetized by sharing it with other apps under the same parent company for growth or other purposes. Um, even for someone like me, whose job is to track this stuff, I'm learning about new creepy things that are happening every single day. And the different kind of sharing, tracking, profiling, behavioral monitoring, all of that is designed to be really far under the surface and actually really hard for users to see and understand. Jenny makes a really good point, I think, Michal, which is that most of us tend to kind of skate along day to day, kind of passively giving away our privacy. And we kind of know that this is happening. We sort of know that our apps are tracking us and Google is learning everything about us from all our weird uh, search habits and stuff. But we don't really think about it until there's a moment like, the Cambridge Analytica scandal from a couple of years ago, which got everybody outraged. And we started to think, wow, you know, we're being taken advantage of online. And I think this will be another one of those moments where, you know, people are kind of being forced to confront by this change in policy from Apple, like, oh, yes, do I want to opt in and, and give away a little bit more of my privacy or do I have a choice here? Yeah. And it's, it's interesting you brought up Facebook because this is being framed as kind of a you know big philosophical split here and apple has kind of planted its flag on being on the side of privacy rights and ultimately human rights whether or not you think that that's really the case but ultimately what people like gebhardt are saying and the EFF is that they're pretty happy about this move that it gives iphone users more control than they had before over their data the value in a measure like app tracking transparency isn't just that it gives users a choice whether they would like to be tracked or not. It's that it makes app developers ask. It forces them to request that permission where before they used to be able to track silently in the background with no consequence. And if they want to keep tracking, now users are absolutely going to, at some level, know about it. And to me, that changes the game in a big way. So obviously, Apple isn't doing this purely out of the goodness of its own heart, and they don't do anything without thinking it through very carefully. So there is some calculation behind this move, and we wanted to know more about what it means for the continuing power struggle in Silicon Valley. And we brought in our colleague Aaron Pressman to tell us more. All that Apple is doing in iOS 14.5 is they're changing the default. Now... Every time you install a new app or when you open an existing app for the first time when this update runs, it's going to ask you, hey, do you want to be tracked across all your apps and activities? Yes or no? It's kind of a loaded question the way that Apple has posed it, but that's how Apple is posing it. And the advertising agency and Facebook and lots of other people are freaking out and they're pretty sure that most people when they see that scary dialog box are going to click no. So, Aaron, is this the reason that Facebook is so mad and why Facebook specifically? Well, Facebook has gone back and forth. Last year, they were very mad. So the implication of this is that 
lots and lots of advertising networks of which Facebook runs one of the largest that collect information about you and me and everyone using the iPhone so that they can sell more ads and sell more apps probably won't have much of an audience to do that anymore if everybody clicks no. And while Facebook is a big, ugly, dominant giant that's under all kinds of antitrust pressure right now, they've also made the point that lots of little developers and little businesses and little direct-to-consumer clothing manufacturers and stuff are the main users of these targeted ads so that the ads that are shown to you are ones for things that you'll actually want. I get shown lots of uh, iPhone case ads because I probably have bought too many iPhone cases. I don't know what kind of ads you get shown. So Facebook and all these little businesses and other ad networks are worried that once there's no more data in this network because of Apple's change of the default, it'll be much harder for them to sell things. I get a lot of swimsuit ads. I don't buy a lot of swimsuits. So I don't know what this is all about. But haven't you had that experience, though, when you search for something, you look at a shirt or something, and then it follows you around through different apps, like through Facebook and Instagram? Yes, but not everything that I search for is something that I want, especially as a journalist, by the way. That's true. The other weird thing it does is like you, when you buy something, sometimes then it shows you lots of ads for weeks afterwards for that same thing. It's like, hey, I already bought this. Yeah. It is indisputable that a large number of sort of small entrepreneurs and small online businesses and medium and large online businesses use these dramatically narrow categories of information about people that Facebook and others have created to sell their goods and feel like they're getting a really good return on their investment when they advertise. So, you know, Facebook has a lot at stake here. They made $84 billion from online advertising last year. So anything that disrupts that gravy train, obviously they're going to be upset about. But I've also read that some people think that part of this is Apple trying to get more into advertising themselves or creating more, more opportunity for them to integrate advertising into the way they present apps to us. This is a very interesting question about what's going on with Apple. Ostensibly, what the company says, what Tim Cook has said over and over again, is they think privacy is a human right. They think this tracking is creepy. And all they're doing is giving people a choice. So that's their mainline argument. It is also true that Apple is selling advertising. They sell it in Apple News. They sell it in the App Store itself. And in those places, there is tracking. I don't think anyone thinks that Apple wants to become a major advertiser for apps and small businesses, however. They don't want to take on Facebook, I don't think, necessarily. Never say never. Right. So last year, Facebook was running full-page ads in newspapers and blasting Apple's change everywhere they could. However, more recently, Mark Zuckerberg was quoted as saying, actually, they think it might be good for them. And let me give you the logic there. So what is going to be much more difficult once the default changes is collecting information across many apps from different apps that all join into a network and share the information. But what that means is that people who have a big audience just on their own platform themselves are gonna have a huge amount of information that they can use to target ads. So Facebook's own internal network to target ads might become much more valuable. So Facebook set up something that's called Facebook Shops and Instagram Shops so that they can now host those online sales themselves and Facebook shops have been doing really well, apparently. So what you're saying is that initially Facebook was up in arms because they said this is going to hurt the little guys. And then they realized they're not one of the little guys. And so now they're OK with it. Exactly. <laughs> OK, as a consumer, 
a true little guy. Like, what changes for me if I do nothing? What changes, if if anything? The worst case scenario is that a lot of apps that right now you enjoy for free, maybe a weather app, a scheduling app, it's possible that there will be a lot less of those or a lot of them will go away, that it'll cost $2 to play or you'll have to pay a subscription or something. I think that's sort of the worst case scenario. The best case scenario is there's less of this creepy tracking and less information that can get out about us and be leaked, you know, that discloses personal details about our preferences. And that all these app developers and little stores find different ways to reach us and the whole world is kind of nicer. I think that's Tim Cook's version. I think it's important to go beneath the surface a little bit on Apple's claims about privacy. First of all, one of Apple's biggest profit centers in its services business is a contract that it has with Google where Google is the default search engine on iOS and on Safari on the desktop and pays Apple analysts estimate 15 to $20 billion a year or more, which to Apple is pure profit and which Google is doing all the kinds of privacy invading things that Tim Cook is always complaining about and saying Apple will never do to you. So there's some major hypocrisy going on there. So it is true that by changing this default, Apple is empowering consumers to pay more attention to how their data is being used and make it less creepy. On the other hand, uh, Apple is still profiting from the advertising industry in ways that maybe it doesn't want you to think about too hard. So Aaron, I have a question for you. Well, first of all, you have an iPhone? Sure. I mean, I have like 10 phones, but yeah. <laughs> well, on the day that uh, it updates with iOS 14.5 and you start getting these pop-ups, are you going to opt in? I think on most of them, I'll probably opt no, but I do, I use a lot of Google services already and I find that the AI is so valuable the way it anticipates things that I'm going to do, places I'm going to go. I open the map program sometimes and it's already offering me places I might go that actually are places I might go around that time. I'm probably being a bit naive even for someone my age and with my experience, but I'm not you know, I'm not committing any crimes in, in my house or anything, so I'm less worried about it. I'm tempting fate by saying this, but I feel like to me personally, the risks and rewards, I don't mind the tracking so much from the major apps and whatnot. Wow. Interesting. I, I, I I'm going yeah, to be pondering this question for a few days now. Do I opt in? Do I let Silicon Valley you know, get a window into continue to get the window. I just assume that they know everything about what I'm doing all the time anyway. I mean, that's a pretty good assumption. But the other thing, the other point to make is that even if a few of us who think about this really hard and decide, oh, go, oh, it's such a hard question, we're going to opt in, right? We already know from surveys that the vast majority of people aren't going to give it that much thought. They're going to opt out. And the fact that they opt out means that the ecosystem and the economy are going to be changed and revolutionized, no matter what a few of us think about what we're going to do. And in all likelihood, you know, the amount of free apps or the way that the app ecosystem with in-app purchase works right now probably will change. I think it's really interesting, Michal, that Aaron was so confident that Facebook is actually going to win on this whole thing. And I can't say I disagree with them. I would never bet against Facebook adapting and monetizing online data. And so you might wonder, well, maybe it's going to actually hit smaller companies that probably need an advantage harder than it's going to actually hit big old Facebook. Yeah, for sure. There are smaller players. They could see an impact for sure. And they could have to kind of re-innovate their business models. There also, by the way, there's been some at least early indication that the opt-in rates 
are actually higher than expected. So that also remains to be seen. You know, there could be a sizable portion of consumers who decide that they do want to be tracked. Michal, I think there's one potential uh, victim in this whole ATT thing that no one is talking about. What's that, Brian? AT&T, <laughs> Apple's partner, the carrier. Everyone's talking bad about AT&T. AT&T doesn't want that. They had nothing to do with this policy change. They need to rebrand. Maybe they can go back to singular. That would work. Yeah, that's a great idea. But <laughs> I am thinking about other people that are going to be hit by this because it's not just Facebook. It's not just retailers. There's a whole big digital advertising industry out there placing these ads, placing the space, filling the space and, and directing these ads to people. And I'm sure they're already scrambling to think about how they're going to adjust. But what are they going to do? How big is the impact going to be? Yeah, I think, again, it's too early to tell how big the impact is going to be, not only because we don't know how many people are actually still going to opt in for being tracked, but also, you know, we should make the point that not everybody is on an iOS device. There are actually more Android users, mobile phone users than iOS users in the world. And at least as of now, this is only something that Apple is doing. That said, the ad networks, the existing ad networks definitely have to transform and they're being you know, pushed into doing that by several entities. It actually isn't just Apple, it's also consumers and regulators. We talked to Todd Parsons. He's the chief product officer of a company called Critio. And this is one of those ad companies. They were actually pioneers in retargeting, You know, the ads that follow you around all over the internet and on different apps. So we wanted to hear straight from Todd how they're thinking about ATT. To us, I think it's an incredible opportunity. So given the fact that consumers are spending much more of their time on the open internet and they're doing a lot of discovering brands and actually converting on those products on merchant websites, it means that it's a greater opportunity for companies like Critio to take advantage of the fact that Apple has made it harder for advertisers to get to users within their ecosystem versus on the open web. And help me understand, Critio does help to position ads and reach consumers across apps as well, right? Absolutely true, although there are methods to reach users within app environments that aren't as direct as retargeting users within that environment, one important point. And the other one is, you know, I've always thought the value of reaching a user in an app really is going to be dependent on what they're doing in that app to start with. So it never resonated with me that I would receive a Toyota Prius ad in Words with Friends. As a consumer, it's, a, it's not relevant. Receiving that same ad in an environment where I'm researching clean energy makes a lot more sense. And you mentioned other methods, different methods, not just retargeting. What are some of those other methods that you could pursue or are pursuing? Well, so one of them that I'm really excited about is contextual. And, you know, we're able to do some very interesting things with contextual at our company that some others aren't because of our access to first party data from merchants. But a good example, just to back off of that for a moment, is to say that if there is a web presence for an app that has great content, 
that an advertiser is interested in reaching the audience around. It's not too difficult to take the signal that you might get from the web version of that presence and map it back to the audience that is frequenting the app. So in that way, we can do some of the same you know, relevant targeting without having to find an individual user, which is what retargeting was really based on. Is it kind of a, a misconception that targeted ads, using retargeting for ads, I should say, leads to better ads, more relevant ads, more ROI for brands? Or is that right? It's hotly debated, and it has been for a while. There are academics who say that having data maybe doesn't create a difference, but it's pretty easy to look at companies like ours and say, we must be doing something right with data because we have 21,000 customers who are regularly buying advertising through us and measuring its outcome as it relates to something being purchased not just something that is inferred to drive a purchase down the line. I'm sure you can, as a consumer and as a company, appreciate the kind of push for greater privacy, for greater user control. But do you feel like this move by Apple actually checks that box? What does it do for consumers? It arguably helps consumers within Apple. I think of myself as I'm an Apple advocate in terms of a, I use its services, I, I use its devices, they're all over my life. What I think is interesting is that Apple is still applying the data that I share with Apple across its many properties, the same way that Google is doing it, and but then is somehow saying that outside of Apple, that might be an unsafe practice. So I'm not sure I agree with that. For the open web, there's a very rich opportunity to take the intent of Apple's approach and apply it to the open web. What I do think is important is consumers have to have a much simpler way to understand what the give to get is for their data being used by any one of the parties on the open web, just like Apple is trying to do with ATT. And in many ways, our investment in the transformation we're making is to start steering away from that sneaker ad that would follow you around the internet towards something that is a lot more easy for consumers to understand the value exchange around and to be able to dig into and get information about. Setting aside what Apple's doing for a minute, but kind of more collectively, what individual companies are doing and the current and future regulatory landscape, does this push us more and more into a, a more privacy-focused era of digital advertising? Zero question about that. Consumers are pulling, regulators are pushing. It's really fascinating. I mean, it does, I guess, show that real innovations can come out of being, like you said, pushed and pulled into changing some of the way the model has worked traditionally, right? I think that we're seeing a time that those types of models will finally have a chance to take root and be used on the open internet. Really, if I had to be honest, for a lot of years, advertising had kicked the can down the road on engaging users in a, consumers rather, in a more of an opt-in sort of way. And now because of the kind of confluence or the collision of consumers wanting and demanding more, 
regulations fueling that, and then the browsers and the operating systems adding further fuel to how consumers can be addressed. It seems like finally we're at a point when that change is actually upon us and where we can be successful doing something different. So it's a really exciting time to be in ad tech on the open internet. I think it's really instructive, Michal, that Critio is not freaking out about this or doesn't seem to be because, you know, this could be a huge change, but I think it's pretty clear that they know that, you know, this is a huge business at this point and it's not going away. We're all using our phones. We're all using our devices. Our information is out there. The commerce is got to find its way to us and they're going to rewire the system Things are going to change a little bit and may not be the same as it's been for the last few years, but there's still going to be digital advertising and it's still going to connect with people. Yeah, Brian, I totally agree. Regardless of what this particular move by Apple does, ultimately, the ad industry is going to adapt and app developers will adapt as well. But it may you know, definitely create some waves. And that said, I also think that Maybe we can look at this more as a statement that Apple is making versus, you know, a big move in and of itself. And I do think that it could have ripple effects, you know, in the in the future. That and of course the regulatory landscape, which is moving along, starting to move along faster and react and push for more and more privacy. So, you know, at some point we could be looking at a totally different mobile phone experience, but I don't think that day is here. So, Brian. When you start getting these prompts from the many different apps that I'm sure you use on your phone, are you going to opt in and let them track you or are you going to opt out? Hmm. Okay, Uber. Um, I'll opt out. Um, Twitter. I don't know. We'll come back to that one. All right. Decisions, decisions. I think that is <laughs> it for today. Join us next time for more talk on how tech is reshaping our world. Brainstorm Podcast is a production of Fortune Media. Our show is produced by Wyatt Orm and edited by Nicole Vergala. Music is by Brian Campbell of Signal Sounds NYC. Executive producers are Mason Cohn and Megan Arnold. Can I ask, can I ask this? Brian, so are you down with ATT? <laughs> Yeah, you know me. All right, where are we going next? Sorry. <laughs>